Welcome to No Bucks Given, the podcast where we have honest conversations about the horse industry. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, a good friend of mine and a five-star eventer, Felicia Barr, who, as a teenager, purchased a $500 mare from Craigslist and produced her all the way to the five-star level. Today, Felicia and I are going to dive into what it takes to do something incredibly hard that both her and I have luckily achieved, which is to make it in the horse industry without financial backing. Felicia, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Maya. So I love, you know, I just find your story so incredibly inspiring. I would, and I know that my audience does as well. I would love to hear more about you and Sunny's story. Sunny's yeah. your mare who you purchased, um, and she's your five-star horse. I would love to hear, like, how that happened. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a small town in western New York, um, and I grew up doing a variety of different riding. You know, I did English, western, barrel racing, hunters, ec, like, whatever I could do, I did. Um, and I rode anything I possibly could. You know, I was that barn rat kid who was sometimes just mucking stalls just to be close to horses, even if I couldn't get the ride on something. Um, And my mom saw this ad on Craigslist for this horse. (laughs) And, you know, my very first horse was a kill pen rescue, and it was time for him to start doing something a little bit easier. So we were on the hunt for something new. And um, And Craigslist seemed like the place to find a horse. You know, it's... Looking back, it it was absolutely insane. We were not prepared for what we were taking on. Um, And when we went up, we went up to find her. She was from the breeder, and you could tell immediately that they were terrified of this horse. Um, They had corralled her into a stall. Um, I went in to look at her. She kicked me. It was a match made in heaven. Instant love. Um, Yeah, it took us like three hours to get her on the trailer. Awesome. Not really even halter broke. And we were like, yeah, this is this is it. We found the one. I'm so curious, like, what made you just like be like, this is the one? Or was it just like kind of (laughs) a little bit of stupidity? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was the nicest horse we had access to. For the amount that we had, you know. Which was $500. Which was $500, yeah. And even that was a stretch at the time. I love your honesty because I feel like so many people who, like, have that story, like, you could totally be, like, bullshit me right now and be like, oh, no, no. Like, I looked at her shoulder angle. I instantly knew. And my eye is so good for sourcing Mm -hmm. horses. Like, no, I knew. Like, she she looked like a proper donkey, and she was nasty. We treated her like a Mustang when we first started. She lived in a round pen, and I was, like, as I was young, too. I was 12 or 13. Oh, my God. That's Um, so crazy. Yeah, it's a bad situation. Do not recommend (laughs) Um, and I, I remember the first day I like brought her grain out to her and I was like, we're going to do join up and I'm going to have this lovely bond with this horse. I forgot join up. I was Mm -hmm. obsessed with that. And it was because of Heartland. Heartland. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) So I brought her grain out and I'm like, you are, you and me, we're going to be like a partnership. And that mare chased me out of the round pen, (laughs) teeth bared. I flew over the side of the round pen and my, I was, I was a track star. I'm pretty fast. And I feel she's like she's a runner. She's a yeah. <laughs> I feel like it was that moment where, the, like in the cartoon, the teeth like clank right behind <laughs> you as you like scurry over the wall. Oh, she was miserable, but I loved her so much, and I was so <laughs> determined. Like this is my horse. Like we're gonna make it. Like 
I, at that time, you know, my mom and I were going to Rolex um, to spectate every so year, cool. you know. Yeah. Um, my grandma lives like 10 minutes from the horse park, so we would oh, go really? and stay with That's her. Awesome. And come, yeah. And I was like, we're going to make it. We're going to get there. We're going to oh do God, it. I love the audacity. Like, that's oh, it's, the thing yeah. about you and me. The audacity. <laughs> yeah, it's the audacity. <laughs> For people who don't know what Rolex and Land Rover and the five-star level of eventing is, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so for eventers, it's the top level of the sport. You know, it's there's only a handful in the entire world. You know, there's only at any time in the U.S., 20 or 35 star riders wow. um, out of, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of riders that event every year. Um, and it's, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's just, it's the pinnacle of the sport. You know, it's what we all strive for, but very few really do get there. Um, and it, it takes an incredible horse as well. You know, it doesn't matter how determined you are. If you, you know, you can't, not every horse is going to make it regardless of how hard you try. So, I did get very lucky where my horse was willing to try for me and do everything she could also to help get there. I, I like to say I'm, I told her the goal enough times where you know, <laughs> she was, she like, was okay. on board too. She's like, okay, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. I feel like she is competitive having met oh, yeah. and worked on Sunny. Yeah. I feel like she knows what is happening and knows what yeah. she's doing. And yeah. she's there to work. Like, she's a serious girl. Yeah. yeah. She was never happy cross-country speed-wise until we were going advanced. And then she was like, <laughs> finally. Like, this is how fast I wanted to go the whole time. Like, Aww. thank you. You know? Um, but I was, I was so willing to do whatever it took to get there. And everyone thought I was crazy. Everyone who saw her was like, you got to get rid of this thing. You have to. Like... Even up until the very end when we had it together, no no trainer I've ever had was like, yes, this is the one. Everyone was like, maybe she needs to go do something else, like you know, plow a field or something. And look at you now. Yeah. yeah, that cart horse butt really pushed us over the jumps. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, I was just kind of that kid that was willing to put all of the work in and, you know, I had a job outside of horses to help pay for it and I mucked the stalls every day you know we helped bring in we brought out I rode everything I could get my hands on and I was just it was the audacity but that was my goal and I was willing to do anything to get there and then you did that and I did you did the thing <laughs> <Who would've thought? laughs> so okay so you got her she's an awesome $500 mare you were a teenager what happened? Give me like a synopsis of like what happened between her chasing you out that round pen and you running around Land Rover. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of ups and downs, mostly downs in the beginning, to be honest. Um, there were, you know, she was injured really badly at one point, um, and the vets actually thought we should put her down. Yeah. Um, and we we just pushed through. It was like, no, this is this is my dream horse. Um, yeah. We're not, you know. So she had to be locked in a stall for a year because she actually oh, ripped, wow. got her foot stuck through a fence and ripped off the bulb of her foot and half of her hoof. So oh she God. was pinned in a stall for a year. And she got so mad and so wild that I had to, like, yeah. climb over the stall door to muck her stall and give her water and hay because if I opened the door, she was just going to be gone. Like, there was no, you know. Um, but when we finally got our ducks in a row and we started eventing, um, I was in high school, and she she ran off with me every time cross-country. Um, and I was, the happy, I was the happiest kid, you know, just, like, getting run off with, pointing at jumps. <laughs> Did you um, go speed faults? 
I don't remember. Honestly, that wasn't even a thought in my mind. We were so not competitive in the beginning. That's I was just fair. happy to get to the finish. So, um, But, yeah, we, we just kept kicking on. Um, and then I did a year in college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I left her at home for the winter. Um, I was just so unhappy. You know, my dad, actually, who was not a horse person, thought I should take this gap year to go be a working student, um, thinking that I would go absolutely hate it and then move back and go get like you know a real a real job um so I I took her to Aiken with me and when we finally got proper help things started really coming together um you know when we got into a proper program um she shot up the levels really fast I remember I had just done um a handful of prelims when I moved to um Pennsylvania to work with Sally Lofting to um, and she was like, you're going to do Fairhill three-star long by the end of the year. And I was like, I haven't even done an intermediate yet. Like, I just <laughs> did my first prelim, no way. And sure enough, you know, in the right program, she shot right up, and we did Fairhill three-star long that, that fall. That's but, awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. That's I have to, like, interject, like, my story a little bit. Like, I just think it's so cool how you and I have such similar paths that, you know, eventually led to a little bit of a different situation but you know I had the exact same thing I did a year of college yeah and my dad um, who is actually a college professor Mm -hmm. was like you're really unhappy like you should just go ride and I really think like him and my mom um, both I think they both really thought I actually really think everyone thought in my life I think everyone thought that I wouldn't like the horse industry and so you know I was 19 like I basically talked myself into a job out here in Chester County and um, I got offered it and then I like threw my stuff in trash bags and I like hit the road and I yeah. left town like a week later yeah. um, with my horse and my dog and I've never moved back. Yeah. And I think that like by year like two or three, my parents were kind of like, so when are you going back to college? Yeah, my dad did the like, same thing. <laughs> yeah. You're like, joke's on you. Yeah. Like the second yeah. year they were like, okay, like your gap years turned into two years, yeah. you know, okay okay and then by year three they're like okay yeah I guess this is it yeah yeah I guess this is it so that's amazing so you got around the five-star level um did you go out on your own and become a professional before after you were a five-star rider um before I had done um a handful of years at the four-star level okay um and then you know honestly just financially I couldn't continue working underneath someone anymore I had to branch out and make my own money. Um, You know, I was working full-time for Sally Lofting and also working odd and end jobs to make money. It's just not sustainable for me. You know, I was working like 13, 14-hour days, you know, seven days a week. And I just, you know, I was at the point where I was so exhausted. You'd pull into the you know, pull into my apartment and, like, fall asleep in the car before you make it inside, you know. Um, So I just knew it wasn't sustainable. I was really lucky that um, Sally helped give me the push I needed, and she let me rent stalls out of her barn. And, um, you know, I was there for a year renting stalls, and then I moved out on my own, and I've been out on my own five or six years now. That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I and I think that you absolutely paid your dues. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. do like, you know, I think what a lot of people don't really understand about being a working student is it's a lot less of like a paid position, even though in a ideally it should be right. Mm-hmm. Like it's an incredibly hard position, but it's really more of an internship than anything yeah. and less of 
It's an internship, like, slash entry-level job. And, like, yes, you are paid, Mm -hmm. but really more than anything, you're there to get a foot into the industry and you're there to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Because there really isn't anything else you can do to get that level of education. You know, you took, like, a horse at prelim and you went all the way up to, Mm -hmm. like, a three-star long and then um, got very experienced at that level. And you did quite well at that level, Mm -hmm. is my understanding. Um, And, you know, like, I went from, like, a pretty, like, novice horse owner um, to, like, a much more experienced horse person in a pretty short amount of time as well. Um, And I think it it did help my riding, just not quite as much as you. Yeah. Um, But your story with Wesley is really similar, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, so Wesley, you know, my heart horse, like, I got him and um, he... A little bit similar to Sonny, he dumped the person who was showing him for sale (laughs) and ran, like, over a mile back to the Mm -hmm. barn. And me and my trainer were like, this is the one. That's the one. <laughs> Look how cute he is as he runs back to the bar. Literally. Oh, like, no. So, you know, like, we had the, like, you know, we can fix him. And, like, you know, I think yeah. it wasn't anything wrong with my trainer. I think I think she overestimated my riding abilities. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, you you know, the I think the thing about me that makes me a good massage therapist is that, like, I'm very, like, zen, and I'm not a reactive person. It's it's very hard to, like, make me mad. Yeah. Um, But also the thing that makes me not maybe good at riding extremely naughty horses is I just don't have enough of reaction time. Fair like enough. he was that so firmness and yeah, yeah like you know I'm like he's okay like which was fair. I think you know mm-hmm. looking back I wish I had known then what I knew now. Like yeah. I think he was in a lot of pain. Okay. Um but you know eventually so I moved out here um without you know to work for Allie Saxon. She's mm-hmm. a five star vendor and the cool thing was is she was pregnant so I got yeah. to ride all of her horses. That's such a cool opportunity it was well and so so many people like uh have asked me like how I got that job and I was actually at a pony club event Mm -hmm. and I was talking to this woman and um I like described how like I take care of like my event my event horse and you know the one the thing about me is I will cater to a horse like I will do anything for them they are my every like Mm -hmm. you know I will like they're they're like a queen or a king in my eyes and I it doesn't matter I'm very happy to do anything for them and you know and she said like you know that's amazing like I'd love to have you like in my barn and it turns out she was the aunt to a five-star eventer okay Um, and I was like oh my god like I really need a working out student opportunity my dad had just told me um that I should like take a year off yeah um and so I got her number I remember she wrote it down on a sticky note I got Allie's number and I called her and I was like, look, you know, I know you're pregnant. I am going to take care of everything in the barn. I was like, it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to ride all of your horses, anything you want. You're going to have no problems. You're not going to worry at all when you're transitioning into motherhood. And she was like, oh, you know, okay. Okay. (laughs) And so she was like, okay, like come interview. And so I drove out and um, she, I'd like never driven more than like an hour or two before. And I drove all the way out to Pennsylvania from Iowa, which was like 15 hours. Um, I drove out, I interviewed, she offered me the job and I was like, when can I come? And she was like, oh, whatever you now. want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now. Now is like, good. Yeah. yeah. So um, I drove home and I literally like threw all of my stuff in actual trash bags. Yeah. Like I didn't have luggage. I was so poor. Yeah. And I like put my car, I put my dog in the car and luckily I actually hitched a ride um, 
out, you know, out mm-hmm. uh, east. And then I started. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people like in my hometown who I think actually really cared about me were basically just like, I don't really know that you should do this. Yeah. And I think that um, I think that I'm such like a kind of even keeled person. And I think I'm really soft with the horses. Mm-hmm. And I actually just really think most of those people didn't think like I would survive in a program, That's which fair. is very fair. Yeah. Like I actually like. I think if I knew me back then, yeah. like I would totally think the same thing. Yeah. I'd be like, that kid's not gonna make She's it. She's not gonna make it. <laughs> yeah. But but it worked out. And um, you know, I think Allie was kind of my Sally Lofting. Like she really yeah. bolstered me. Yeah. And um, you know, like uh really encouraged me to ins- to pursue massage therapy. Mm-hmm. Like she really saw that in me and um, you know, she really supported me early on. I'm yeah. really thankful, thankful yeah. for that. So, you know, I love that. I think that so many people take advantage of their working students. Absolutely. And I feel yeah. like both you and I are where we are despite not having connections and not having money because mm-hmm. someone took a chance on us and invested in yeah. us. Yeah, and I worked for so many people before I went to Sally that treated me horribly. And, um, like, to the point where I almost had to pack up and move home because I was out of money and needed a job and... Um, so it, you know, it's something for me now that I have my own working students. I'm adamant that I, I will never treat anyone the way that I was treated coming up. I just don't yeah. think it's necessary. Um, there's no reason that you need to treat a young person trying to learn in the industry no. um, that way. So it just, you know, I think we could all do better. Um, <laughs> certainly, I think we could all pay them more. Um, but also, yeah. it is like you said, an entry-level position, and, you know, but I try to really make sure that, you know, everyone in my barn feels appreciated and not overworked and gets days off, and, you know. For the working student position, the one thing that I try to do that's a little different, too, is set more structured times so that, you know, if Mm. they need to get an outside job or if they're trying to take classes for school or even just, God forbid, have like some semblance of a social life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I try really, really hard to stick to 7.30 to 4 for my working students. Um, obviously that changes um, during competitions and, you know, but I try to give everyone a day and a half off a week. Oh, um, wow, a day and, and a half. Yeah. That's awesome. I know. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I know. I feel like anyone who hasn't been a working student might be like, what? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um, and I am really adamant that everyone at the end of the year should take a week off. That's nice. And, like, reset a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think more than anything, too, you know, we I try to give riding opportunities when I can. Um, yeah. And just try to keep every day feeling a bit the same. Um so that there's a little more structure. Yeah, I think that's really, I mean, that's smart just from like a program perspective, yeah. not just like for the working students. But I agree with you. I mean, I understand like I'm I'm someone who is very adamant that people should get paid well. Yeah. Um, but also I understand what a horse business looks like from the book end of it mm-hmm. in that the margins just aren't necessarily there to pay your working students like incredibly well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you do have to look at it as like this is like a year of your life where you're learning a whole lot and mm-hmm. maybe less like this isn't like something that you're going to do for your whole life. Yeah. You know, it's different. You know, the grooms obviously who are with you for a long time. Mm-hmm time it's a very different situation in terms of pay and times off and everything um but yeah I mean I think that 
being a working student, I I really agree with you. I think the biggest thing is appreciation just goes so far. You know, I think like you and I were just talking about that yesterday. Yeah. um, Where I think it, I just don't understand people who don't appreciate the people who help them. You know, yeah, like it doesn't make any sense. It like, doesn't cost a dollar. This is the backbone yeah. of your program, ultimately. Yeah. You know, yeah, it you doesn't know, cost anything to be kind. Right. Like you see ISO ads for working students and mm-hmm. grooms every day. Yeah. But you very rarely see someone in search of a position. Yeah. And that's because like it's getting less and less sustainable mm-hmm. for people to do it. Um, and I think that the more people can the more employers in positions of power appreciate the people who work for them mm-hmm. really hard. You know, most employees would can choose have their pick of employers. Yeah, um, I agree. And the really good ones could go and start their own business. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you have a very good assistant or a very good groom, like they yeah. could probably freelance and make more money. Yeah. They're choosing to stay with you and work really hard for you because they believe in you and probably love you mm-hmm. and love your program and love your horses. So you need to really take that to heart and give them a lot of appreciation back. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's yeah. something, like you said, it costs nothing to just yeah. be kind and be appreciative of the people who do so much for you. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I'd love to hear um, a little bit. So, you know, you didn't come from money. You mm-hmm. come from a pretty middle class family and I do as well. Um, and we both You know, we have gone very, we've gone down separate paths, but it came from the same place and we've both gotten to end up in careers that we really love. So I'd love to hear from you, you know, what challenges did you face not having a huge amount of financial backing? And was there anything specific you did to overcome them or was it just constantly being really gritty? Uh, Yeah, honestly, for me, it always came down to the grittiness, um, being willing to work a full-time working student position. But then before that, you know, I'm up at five feeding and turning out other horses for someone else. Um, You know, after work, I'd go and ride anything I could or muck stalls or groom horses, just anything I could do to make some extra money. Um, And just never saying no in the beginning, you know, being willing to open yourself to every single opportunity that comes your way. Um, and for me, that that was how I did it. You know, I even, like, babysat and, I, you know, <laughs> what, like, anything I could get my hands on, that's what I was doing because was, I'm a very goal-oriented person. And for me, this goal of going to Rolex was just I would do anything to get there, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think the biggest thing is, for me, like, advice that I would give to someone in our position is – Again, like, just be open to everything. You know, no one's too good to muck a stall. You know, I still muck stalls now. Yeah, I see you muck stars all the time. (laughs) The work has to get done. Like, no one is above anyone. You know, just be willing to put put the work in, put the time in. Um, You know, get a little brave, too. Ride the bad horses. (laughs) Those ones pay the well, the best, yeah. (laughs) Within reason. Within reason. Don't get hurt, but, you know. Side note, like, please wear a very good helmet and air vest. Never get on without a helmet. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I've worked on quite a few horses at the very top of their level, Mm -hmm. and there is just something special about some of them. Like, some of them really do love to compete. You know, I've met, and not just eventers. I mean, I think some of the eventers are incredibly, like, you meet them and you're like, wow, that's a special one. Like, I know that that horse is brave, and I don't, I'm just massaging them. Um, But I also meet some really special Grand Prix um, show jumpers and dressage Mm -hmm. horses, um, and you know, there is just, there are some that are incredibly special. Yeah, they just have something. You yeah. can even, like, just see it in the way they walk in, you know, yeah. just. They just have, like, a presence yeah. and almost an intelligence as yeah, well. I like, agree. they know what's happening mm-hmm. and they have. But, um, so Rolex, just to clarify, yeah. um, so Rolex is what is a five-star event. It used to be the only five-star event in mm-hmm. America. Um, and then, uh, it switched sponsorships and it's now Land Rover. Yes. So it's yeah. the same event. It's in Kentucky. It's a mm-hmm. five-star um, there is now a second five-star event in America, which is the Maryland five-star. Yes. Yeah. Right down the road from here in Fairhill. Yeah, yeah. Which is really fun. Yeah. Um, so in achieving that is such an incredible feat, you know, because achieving, you know, I compare it to like Grand Prix show jumping or dressage. That's incredible. You mm-hmm. know, like that's, I mean, Grand Prix dressage, that's like my big life goal yeah. just to do it once, you know, with, with a horse I made myself, that's like my life goal. Yeah. Um, but it really does not, you know, I can go do a Grand Prix, like, any, basically, in this area, basically mm-hmm. any day, yeah. like, during the season. I can just go do one, you know, whenever my horse feels the best and I feel the best yeah. and it works out. Five stars, it, for most of our life, have only ever been you get one shot in the yeah. U.S., and it's in the spring. And it's pretty early. April's yeah, pretty early. Is. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, you get two shots, and mm-hmm. it's incredibly um, – taxing you know i think that a lot of people think about how dangerous eventing is in terms of what happens to the horses and the riders but i actually think it's almost harder to get to the level in the conditioning you know i think like a lot of people say like oh it's so hard to keep a five-star horse sound and it's not the event no it's that takes the jogging and the galloping and you really have to work backwards from the event and think about how you're going to get the horse to peak on that weekend and there really is like a science to it um you know I used to know like I needed seven gallops before a five star in addition to you know trotting once a week and if I did eight sometimes she was a little bit too hot in the dressage you know like it is a matter of keeping them fit enough to do the job but not so fit that the dressage gets too hard or they get too flat in the show jumping. Um, Or, you know, I'm lucky I didn't have to do a ton to help keep her sound coming up the levels. Mm -hmm. You know, I was very cautious early on with with her. Um, But a lot of people are trying to get horses fit and work around. An issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the hard thing, too, is, like, for example, like, I can practice a dressage test until I'm blue in the face Mm -hmm. but with eventing you don't really know till you get there there's especially at the five-star level you know like you can go school beginner novice prelim even Mm -hmm. intermediate but it's very hard to know what's going to happen you know ahead of time until you get out there yeah I remember walking um the course at my first Kentucky and you know I'd been at the four-star level for four years I think at that point my first year for my first five-star was supposed to be during COVID. So then I had an additional year at the four-star level to prepare as well. Um, And I remember walking up to some of these tables thinking like, I know they're going to be bigger. I know this is going to be the hardest thing I've ever done. 
and I've I've watched it, I've spectated it, but when you walk up to some of these tables, you're like, oh oh my god, like can, is my horse like gonna be able to jump over How the top is that of this? Possible? Yeah, yeah. And I remember asking um, some of my fellow riders as we were course walking, like, "How do you know for sure until you get there?" And I remember someone saying. Well, by fence three, it's this big open oxer. They either crack their back and they jump way over the top of it, or they kind of hang up in the air and just you can feel them like have that moment of like, oh, that's big. Um, and they're like, and then you know. And I was like, at fence three. Like, and I was like, what if, what if they hang up in the air and they're like, oh my god, that's really hard. And they're like, <laughs> like you know. And You're I was like, so oh well, my man. god. Um, and I remember like galloping up to fence three, being like, please, 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 please. And my horse, luckily, she like absolutely launched over, like kicked oh. out with her back end. And I was like, <laughs> cool, we're fine. Um, but yeah, you just you you don't look too closely at the tables as you course walk. You just like acknowledge them. You're like that one and walk right past it. You know, yeah. Like just jump over the middle of that one. <laughs> don't have a miss. You know. One of my um, friends, actually, it might have been Allie, um, but one of my friends uh, told me that she would gallop down to some of the fences at Rolex and just close her eyes. <laughs> 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 she would just like she would get like a few strides out and she would put her leg Lock on and she would close her eyes. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I wish I could find that like on a yeah. picture. Yeah, something. just like eyes closed the last yeah. two strides. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, I'm not particularly tall, but I remember walking past the whiskey barrel table, and it's known as one of the biggest tables yeah. on the course. Um, and I walked behind it to like you know just and. It the landing was a little bit downhill, but it's like up to my shoulder, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no!" Um, but I'm lucky. I, I was on such a good cross country horse. You know, yeah. I you know we struggled in the show jumping, she and I together. But I, I remember everyone saying like, "You won't sleep Friday night. Like you just won't. You'll be too worried about the course." And I slept like a baby. <laughs> Sunny got that dog. In she her. does have that dog. In <laughs> I her. Would, yeah, Sunny like is a hundred percent. Like I just feel like for every like every flaw she has, which is very few because mm-hmm. she's, perfect, she's perfect. But for yeah. every flaw she has, like she is so solid out there. Yeah, like, just, she is. You know yeah. what I've seen of her. Is, yeah, she's a very and cool it's horse. cool to be on a horse that genuinely loves the job. Um, yeah. I mean, when I come into a com a, like a complex where there's. Yeah either a bank complex where there's jumps everywhere, a water complex where there's jumps everywhere. I mean, she, her ears are up. She's, yeah. like, looking, like, wh- show me the corner. Show me the chevron. Like, where's the drop? Like, it, she really is a little bit of a psycho. I love that. But so she, cool. yeah, I don't think I'll ever ride a horse that loves her job as much as she does. You know, I've I've now passed the ride down onto a young rider. And Which is so cool that you did oh, that. I yeah. really love that. You, yeah. you know, um, Felicia gave the opportunity to take – uh, uh, to uh, she gave the opportunity to take uh, Sunny around to a very deserving young mm-hmm. rider who has worked very hard in her program. So yeah, yeah, it was very special to see that. Yeah, it got to the point where you know she wasn't wasn't feeling confident at the five star level, and the horse owes me nothing. I mean, she's done everything to me. I would I would never put her in a position where she didn't feel confident. Yeah, and I started feeling that and. After an event this spring, I was like, you know what? I she owes me nothing. She's done everything I've ever asked of her, 
it's time for her to step down. Um, but for some horses, that looks like retirement. But for her, I just know she wouldn't be happy in retirement. I mean, she's only 15, um, so I let a young rider take the ride, and, and she's going around prelim and two-star, and she is just as happy as she's ever been. Oh, um, I love that. But we're at a competition trying to warm up for the dressage, and the beginner novice is, like, slowly cantering in the field behind her, and she's like... <gasps> And she's trembling watching the, like, beginner novice ponies, like, lope across the hill. And she's like, I could, I could be doing that. Like, she's very, very singularly minded. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh. That is, it's really so special, you know, like, that you took a $500 horse, Sunny, and you made her into a five-star horse. You know, you took her. You met her when you were a teenager. You paid $500 for her. It took you three hours to get mm-hmm. her on the trailer. And then flash forward to a few years later, you were a young adult at the biggest event in the country. Yeah. Competing against Olympians. Yeah. That's so special. I uh, mean, can yeah. you just, like, sum up a little bit how that felt? Yeah. Um, well, I just... Yeah, so I was the first. It's, I mean, it's how hot. can you? I, I yeah, don't even know how you can tell me. Um, I mean, I was the first one to ever sit on that horse. <laughs> um, you know, I I just, my mom and I did it together. And when I crossed the finish flags at Rolex, I remember just, like, dropping my reins and just, like, hugging the mare's neck. And she's just, like, still galloping, ears up, like, Mom, you better pay attention. There's There's got to be more to do. Um, and I met my mom at the finish line, and I jumped off, and we all just hugged. And I remember everyone in the vet box sobbing, like, what a horse. Like, uh, how how could she be, you know, how could she be this amazing? Um, and she's like, well, of course. I was, <laughs> what, why would you expect anything different, you know? In her mind, she was always destined for greatness. Um, I, yeah. Sunny, but yeah. Sunny's the coolest. I mean, yeah. just what, like, a special, special testament to our yeah. sport, you know? Like, and that's why I just love eventing. Like, and I love, I mean, I think that's very true mm-hmm. for, you know, other sports as well. But just. You can wow. make it on yeah. and off the track. You can do You it. can make it on. Yeah. You know, the horse has to have the heart. Breeding obviously puts you in a better position, you know. Um, but, but I know a lot yeah. of people on $100,000 horses who are miserable. Yeah, and, and they, they don't, don't get make around it. the level. Yeah. yeah, I think it really comes down to, you know, I, I watched a master class um, with Catherine Dufour, mm-hmm. who's very, I don't know if she's a world number one at the moment in dressage, but she took a very similar story. She took a um, her first horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and she took it from, I believe, like unbroken, yeah. um, all the way to the Olympics. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And just, and you know, like she talked about in her master class, like so many people told me, like, this wasn't the horse and yeah. it doesn't. She said, I, this made me laugh. She said, you know, people told her it doesn't make my heart beat faster, you know? Yeah. And she's like, but then I went and I did the Olympics. Yeah. Like, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's stick it to the man. Yeah. And that's yeah. like the coolest thing. Like, you yeah. know, and that's like the whole reason why we do this is like, it's, it, like, I had so many people, you know, not at all at the same level of you and Sunny, um, but, you know, so many people told me about Wesley, like, yeah. this is not the horse. Like, yeah. they were like, uh, people told me to put him down. And people yeah. told me, like, he, you know, he's not going to get you very far and he's not capable. And then the same people, like, a few years later when I was able to take him um, to fourth level dressage, mm-hmm. like, a lot of people were like, you know, I was wrong. Like, they were like, yeah. you did put the work in on yeah. the horse you had and you believed in him. Yeah. And, and how gratifying is that moment, too? You know, yeah. like I, I accomplished this despite 
what I may have been, you know, the, the hand that I was given. Right. And I think like, not only does that make you such a, like it makes such a special partnership, Mm -hmm. but I just think of you and like what you have done with so little. Mm -hmm. I just think of people like you, you're in a whole class above like the people who have been given an incredibly expensive made horse. And not that there's anything wrong with that. No, It's just, I like, I just hold people like you and and you in such a high regard for that I think it's so special and just what we should all be striving for yeah and that's that's why I like eventing so much too because I do think you find more and at least this is just my experience and it's not you know but I just think the people are a little bit grittier they're willing to put the hours in they're willing to put the work in you know the horse they don't trade off horses as easy you know they're willing to commit to you know a horse that may not have had all the fancy breeding or, you know, the best jump or the best trot and putting the time and the work into it. Yeah. Um, I also just like the camaraderie and eventing, you know, everyone really does want each other to succeed. Yeah. But I agree. I really love eventing. It's, it's just such a good sport. It really has like some of the best people, but, but back to the topic of Mm -hmm. the, uh, podcast. So, you know, we talked about, um, getting to where both of us are now and how that's looked a little bit different. I would love to get an understanding of like what your program looks like now. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I think that you're in a position that so many, um, like young people and even older people who maybe don't have a huge, uh, like financial backing or a huge, like, uh, you know, they don't have a trust fund, but they would really love to be involved in horses. Yeah. I think a lot of people would love to know what maybe a trainer who's very successful, like you, like mm-hmm. what your life looks like yeah so for me I was needing to go down either the road of sale horses or teaching and coaching um you know I wasn't going to be able to be that rider that had 10 15 horses in the barn in full training that I just got to ride and do whatever (laughs) I wanted with that was just not a reality and I knew that early on it's not reality for most people no it it, that's it's very hard to get to that point yeah yeah Um, so I decided, you know, I did a little bit of sales and a little teaching combined. And for me, I just was at a point in my life where I really wanted more structure. Yeah. Um, and the sales industry just didn't offer that for me. And to be honest, I'm just not, I I just love the horses too much. I want, uh, the sales was hard for me because I wanted to only sell a product that I was like really, really proud of. And that often means putting more time and effort into the training. And then, of course, you don't make any money on the other <laughs> side. So yeah. I was not particularly good at that. So I really put a lot of time into my building my business based around coaching and training. Okay. Um, and that's a lot of what I do now. I do, you know, competing horses, and then I also do coaching. And, you know, we have 28 in the barn right now. Um, and they're Yeah, and everyone's in the program in some capacity, you know, and I actually really have found a lot of joy helping other people achieve their goals as well. Um, So for me, you know, it's, it's 10 hours a day on the minimum. (laughs) Um, I try to always take Sundays off. But of course, during the competition season, that's not an option. So, you know, a lot of times during this time of year, it is seven days a week. But, um, but, you know, I'll do the normal barn chores and riding in the morning and then, you know, coach all of my adults and my um, young riders in the afternoon. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and I think like you have a pretty special program because there are very few five-star eventers who will coach amateurs Mm -hmm. like in any large capacity. You know, I think that there are a fair amount of them who like have their training horses and they might have like a few clients Mm -hmm. on a rotation or a few like owners who also happen to be clients. So they're very lucrative to them. Um, But, you know, you have such an incredible program of so many like you have young riders and like very successful amateurs. Like your students have kind of won like everything in this area this year, which has been really, really fun to watch um, because they're also like, they're not just your students, but they're also really awesome people. You have a good group. And it it took a long time. Well, that's not true. We started off with a pretty good group, but um, I I really emphasize like teamwork. You know, we're not just individuals going off and doing our own thing you know we it's a team you know it's Felicia Barr eventing eventing team um you know and everyone really supports each other and you know it's just really cool to see people come together and you know we'll have barn parties and everyone comes and you know at events we'll all park next to each other and if if anyone needs anything you know everyone's there willing to lend a hand and I think that's really special because in that kind of atmosphere, I think it would be easy for people to get overly competitive with each other. And it it really is not the case. It's like a very lovely group of people that all are working really hard to achieve their goals and want to support each other and see each other succeed as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's really special. Um, And so, you know, I think so, you know, I think I was at a crossroads like we were we've been both in similar positions. And I think you and my our path diverged at about 20 Mm -hmm. Um, when you we both had done a year of being a working student and you went on to another working student position Mm -hmm. and I went to massage school. Yeah. Um, And one of the main things that like really played across my mind was um, I do not have the money to buy a barn. And I know a lot of people at this point in this industry whose parents do have the money to buy them a barn and to get them a few nice horses and to get them a nice truck and trailer. And their lives are very hard. And I was like, I literally can't imagine what it would take for me with Mm -hmm. like my zero dollars I was like I literally can't imagine what it would take for me to be able to even like get started Mm -hmm. like I just had I just couldn't it made no sense in my mind the dollars and cents of it so I'd be very curious you know you've you touched on you worked super super hard um, you were a working student and then you were more of an assistant and mm-hmm. then you actually branched out and you had like um, the half of your business in Sally's barn. Yeah. Um, but was there anything else like, you know, I think that the nice thing is it sounds like you scaled very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that can be really, really helpful to young people. Yeah. You know, is there anything, you know, I'm just kind of picturing in my mind, like when you make some of those really big purchases, like do you kind of just have to like steal up your ovaries and like jump in and kind of like go for it a little yeah. bit? You know, like what was there anything really specific that you figured out? Like I'm just trying to kind of talk through like how that might look to another young person. Yeah, Um Yeah, so I am lucky to have a really supportive partner as well. Um, My husband is not a horse person, um, but I probably wouldn't be here without him, you know, because for me... John's the best. Shout out John. Shout out to John. Um, (laughs) For me, there's, like, no way I could have afforded to branch off on my own and pay rent 
in our area. So it was nice having, you know, my built-in roommate to help cover the cost there. So, you know, I think that the thing that really, like, got me was just the financial element of, like, buying a farm Mm -hmm. and buying a truck and trailer and buying a nice horse or two. And it just seems so incredibly overwhelming to me. Um, But... I would just love to kind of have an understanding, you know, for those listening at home who might really want to be a trainer, but were in the shoes we were in mm-hmm. at 19. What was kind of like your roadmap? Like, what did you do to be a working student to an assistant, an assistant to mm-hmm. like a smaller trainer, a smaller trainer to a big successful trainer with a yeah. big barn full of clients? Yeah. So after my working student position in Aiken, I got a working student position up in Pennsylvania um, and that's where I just was not treated particularly well. Yeah, and yeah. so I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I'm in a freelance. Yeah. Um, and so for probably six months, I just freelanced and I was doing a lot of stall mucking, less riding than mucking. Um, but I did have some rides and I was boarding my horse and doing self-care just for my one horse. Um, and it was then that I was offered the assistant rider position um, with Sally. And I remember being like, absolutely not. I'm not work. I cannot do this right. Like, I need more time. Um, and I remember going up and working for, you know, on a short-term basis. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I need to be doing this. Like, yeah. my education needs, you know, I needed this to help propel my riding. Um, so I went from working student to freelance to assistant rider. Okay. And I was there for two years. And then... I started my own business out of her barn. So when she went to Wellington every year, I would teach all of her clients and keep all of her horses going. So I had a bit of a taste for what it meant to be running the whole barn. Um, That's really special, you know, like kind of yeah. like getting your feet under you yeah. in a business um, before like just jumping out on your own. Yeah. And she had a barn manager, so it, it wasn't as in-depth as the whole barn. But, you know, I had to keep the riding program for all the horses and keep the clients taught and the horses ridden. Um, and then when I branched off on my own, I had six horses, you know, some sale horses, some training horses, um, you know, and I brought in some young riders early on. Um, and it really just, it actually snowballed reasonably quickly after that for me. Um, but I think that for me, my target market was the young riders that can't afford to go ride with the top, top people in the area. Um, so I kind of coveted that market. Um, and after that, it really did build on itself. Um, and then I branched into renting my own farm and bringing even more people in. So I did a lot of ship-in lessons, or I traveled to lessons, and then after I built up a good following, I rented my own farm and brought them all into one spot. That's very cool. And it's been fun to see, you know, you started out um, kind of switching between two different barns, Mm -hmm. and you've just recently gotten, um, not purchased, but you've been leasing a very special, lovely facility. So that's just another, like, big girl stuff yeah. that it's been really fun to yeah. get to see you do. Yeah, we have an indoor, two outdoor Very bougie. Rings. Bougie, yeah. bougie. Indoor with yeah. a, a sprinkler system. <laughs> Little kid me just loves pushing the button. I'm like, oh, God, like 12-year-old Felicia would be doing backflips right now. She, she had a sprinkler system in her indoor. Um, you know, we have a cross-country field, and the horses just seem so happy there, too. And, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I mean, and yeah, you know, another thing, like, I feel like a theme a lot on this podcast is myth-busting with Maya. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm 
I, uh, you know, I, I want people listening out there to know a little bit what it's like to be at your level. Um, I remember so specifically, and this was another one of like those kind of realization moments I had before I went to massage school. I remember watching one of the very big Olympians um, in our area uh drive off in like a not very nice car yeah and after having taught and ridden the entire day yeah and I knew I like knew he was going back to his barn to teach and ride more yeah and it just really dawned on me you know I think as a kid in Iowa I kind of had this like expectation of like yeah like I'm gonna work super hard but like in like 10 years I'll have made it and then like I'll have an awesome life I'll get to ride horses I'll have Mercedes Benz like like you know I just kind of had that because that is how most industries are right like you really bust your ass yeah and then you coast Yeah. yeah but I realized that that is just not how it works in the horse world. Like, even the people who are literally the most successful Olympians Mm -hmm. in the country are still working super hard. Like, like you don't just get to the Olympics and then suddenly you get handed a million dollars. You know, you actually don't get any money at the Olympics. Um, You know, so what does that kind of feel like to you to know that, like, I'm not, like, trying to be negative, but, like, there's not necessarily, like, you're not going to, like, arrive somewhere. Like, this is really, like, you know, you're going to continue to learn and grow and, like, um, improve your business and improve your riding and, um, like, make even a bigger name for yourself than you already have. But, like, this is what your, like, day is probably going to look like. You know, like, what, like, what advice would you have for young people who are considering this as a career? Yeah. So my biggest thing is you have to love it. Yeah. Um, like you have to love everything about it. You can't, you can't half-ass this kind of job because it's not financially fulfilling, you know? Um, and you're never going to get to the point where you're, you know, you wake up and whenever you want and just roll in, ride your horses and be done by dinner time. Like that's just not reality. Unless you marry rich, which we fully support on this but, you podcast. Know, all Please the more do it. power yeah. to you. All the more yeah. power to you girls. Yeah. Or and men. All the yeah, more power to, to you. Everyone. Equal yeah. opportunist, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the one, that's my one thing of advice, you know. Don't marry, marry for love. Yeah, don't yeah, marry, don't for, marry love. for love. Yeah. We both we both uh, lost on that one. We married for love, or yeah. you married for I'm love. I'm married to a school teacher. So. <laughs> Rookie yeah. move. <laughs> so he gets summers off though, and then all the mowing and the weed and whacking. That's your and the man. Farm work, like, did I think I did win? There are perks yeah. of the job, and John's the yeah. best. He's, the He's best. other than Cody. John and Cody. Top tier men. Yeah. Top maybe tier like, men. Y- y- no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that working students or people considering a working student position should really think hard about. You know, do I want to work hard for the rest of my life? Um, yeah. And it's, that's, that's it. Like, that's yeah. just it is it's not there's like. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It's always it's really hard. hard work. It's really yeah. hard. And there's not like, there's literally like no way around it. Like, honestly, even the very wealthy people yeah. I know who are doing this at the top of the sport, there is no way around how hard you have no. to work for yeah. it, you know. And if you don't have financial backing, it is just that much harder. But I also think that. You know, I think that in turn, it gives you an advantage of how gritty you are, you know? Yeah, so something I think 
if you're sitting at home and you're like, I want to be a working student, or if you are a working student, something you should think about is what do you want in your life? You know, mm. how do you want your life to look? You know, if, if you want to be a horse trainer and you're okay with putting the hours in and the work in, it's, it is manageable. You can do it. You have yeah. to be willing to work really hard though. And if you're not willing to work that hard, it, that doesn't mean that the horse world isn't for you. And that's where I think your story is really fascinating too. You know, you were able to recognize early on, like, I don't want that kind of lifestyle for myself. And mm-hmm. you were able to make an extremely successful business down a different path. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I did. I really looked at it and I just like, I, you know, I really thought I also have some health issues mm-hmm. and I know you do too. So it's it's definitely not an excuse. You are stronger person than I am. <laughs> But, you know, I have some I have some health issues and um, I think I'm also just maybe a little bit of a softer person than you are, too. And I just like I really thought to myself, like I I just thought I really want to be in horses, but I just don't think I can be a trainer. You know, it, it seemed impossible to me to build a business. And I also didn't feel confident enough in my own riding mm-hmm. abilities either um, or my ability to be as gritty as you are. Yeah. Um, and but I desperately want to work in horses it was the only option for me and that's okay um, too like yeah it, I think people think that oh well like I didn't make it <laughs> I, you know I'm a fail like that's absolutely not the case you know I think there's so many other options yeah and I think those other options can look a lot more sustainable and uh, yeah, I, I mean not that being I think that the way you've um become been I think the way you have set up your business is a lot more sustainable mm-hmm. than most other horse trainers I know yeah. even though you are still working incredibly yeah. hard but we're not out here rolling in the dough <laughs> <laughs> but um I also think that for me personally even what you have set up probably wouldn't be sustainable mm-hmm. and um I knew I needed a business that would look a lot more flexible and a lot more like dollars for hours straight up without a huge amount of overhead. I think that really the thing that always scared me was the amount of overhead and risk involved in having a horse business. It's astonishing. The monthly bills is, I try not to look too closely. It's astonishing. And there's literally no way around it. Like even the people I know who have a very wonderful family who purchased them a huge facility, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of those people and I actually know them well enough to know what their financial look like Mm -hmm. and they're losing money on the property constantly i mean they're just bleeding money and a lot of those people are also burned out like you know i you know they might like have a parent who buys them a farm and then they start this business and then they very quickly realize like this is actually like not what i want at all and i literally can't get myself out of this hole and And they're stuck and they're stuck you know and it's that that was also what was super scary to me is getting stuck um so you know, I went to massage school because I couldn't find, I went to massage school for people because I couldn't find a good one for horses. And then out of that, I actually went and worked in a spa for a year mm-hmm. and a half. Um, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. But it was kind of similar to your position with Sally. Like I wanted to get my feet like pretty wet in the industry, but without taking a huge financial risk. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to really see what a business looked like and see what different people's businesses looked like that I liked and didn't like. Yeah. So I actually worked three jobs. You know, I worked um, in that spa. I was an assistant to a human chiropractor, Ron. He's my mentor. Um, And one of – he – 
kind of is still my mentor. Um, and uh, I also apprenticed under an equine myofascial release specialist. Yeah. And I did like odd stuff here and there as well. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of slowly building out my own business. Yeah. Um, and being able to do that allowed me to see a lot of different businesses and really pull what I thought worked and didn't work and start mm-hmm. to educate myself and just get a super educated confident hold on the industry like I think what kills a lot of businesses horse industry or not is um getting super down on yourself and not having the staying power for when the going gets tough yeah because to be really frank there's more lows than highs there um, are and you have to be okay with that Yeah. yeah and you have to like not only believe in yourself and believe in your mission and what you're here to achieve. Mm -hmm. Because like, I think the reason why like I stayed in this part of town and I think the reason why I was able to really bootstrap myself even when I didn't know anyone in this area and um, I didn't have any connections I didn't have any financial backing I think I was just so driven by my mission to help horses like I just believed so wholeheartedly that like I was put I'm not a religious person but I was put on this earth to help horses and I was like bound and determined that that would be what I got to do with my life um and so going out and like so I saved up enough money I remember so specifically I saved enough money to have about like a thousand dollars in my bank account and I knew that it was enough to sustain my really crappy car and my horse and me for a month And I told my um, boss at the time at the spa, I was like, hey, I just need a month. I'm going to take a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to test it out. Like, I'm probably going to be back in a month. Yeah. Um, But I was like, I just need to know if I can do this. Um, And I did. I went out. And ever basically ever since that month, it was November of 2020, my business exploded and I never looked back. Yeah. Um, And That's so brave, though. (laughs) it's, It's hard to take that leap. And a lot of people don't want to take that leap but I do think it's important especially in our situations you know you have to be a little brave sometimes you do and I think that what I really recommend to people starting their own business horse you know but whatever have a flexible job you know whether it's like in the serve industry being a waitress Mm -hmm. or it's um, working in a spa or it's mucking stalls like Mm -hmm. maybe not mucking stalls because it's not quite the same but like have a job that you can pretty reasonably pick up and put down shifts as your business starts to cultivate because I was slowly cultivating clients for like six months before I went out on my Mm -hmm. own to the point where I was comfortable going out right because it was wasn't just that like I had an idea for a business, quit my day job, and then was like, "Okay, world, I'm here." Yeah, like you know, right? Like <laughs> you and I, come to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you and I. Yes, we are lucky. We got some really good breaks, but we also had a plan and we made yeah. it happen. You know, and I think that's the thing is. I see some people, like, they'll message me and they'll say, hey, like, can you give me your business plan? I want to do what you do. And mm-hmm. I'm like, my business plan, it's very possible it won't work in your area. Yeah. Like, it, you have to figure out what's going to work for you in your yeah. situation, and you just have to make it happen, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. Yeah, I, I do think know your target market. You know, yeah. for me, if I had tried to project myself 
the same way every single other five-star rider in this area did, I probably wouldn't have succeeded. Yeah. Um, because this area is so saturated, as you know, too, even right. with body workers. It's very saturated with it's body workers. very saturated with horse trainers and riders. You know, everyone in this area can ride well. Yeah. Um, so can, I, had I always to know. joke you can hit, throw a rock and hit an Olympian. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I moved here. You know, I was like, I'm going to live in the Mecca of eventing. And then I was like, how the hell am I going to build a business in the Mecca of eventing? You and know? honestly, like, that's another, like, point that I would actually tell, like, some young people. Like, if you want to make it easier on yourself, like, go work for someone really good and mm-hmm. then go be somewhere kind of desolate because you're yeah. not going to have any competition. Yeah. Like, you know, like, if you had been a prelim rider and started, yeah your business in Iowa, you'd have a great business, yeah. right? Like, because there just isn't any competition. Yeah. But the cool thing about staying in this area is you get to continue your progress as a rider. Yeah. And for me, I never wanted to just be a coach. You yeah. Know, I, I love coaching. I love watching other people succeed and helping them get there. But for me, I didn't, I don't want to stop there. You know, I'm, I'm coaching and I'm training to help me get better and reach my goals and, you know. I think those two things come hand in hand for me. But if I were to move away, you know, I wouldn't be receiving the same instruction that I am to, you know, for me, I never want to stop learning. That's really cool. And, you know, so I think like for anyone listening who really wants to like go into the horse world, number one, I would absolutely encourage you. Like I am such a firm believer that, you know, you should get to do whatever makes you really, really happy. And, um, like, I feel so lucky. Like, I just feel like I could get to do, like, the thing that just lights me up every single day. Um, So I I wish that for every single person um, who's listening to this. And if that is horses, like, amazing. And I Mm -hmm. think that you absolutely should. But I think you should also really think about what your skill set is. Having a really good hard look at, like, yourself and your strengths and your weaknesses, you Mm -hmm. know, I think, like, I also had, when I was 19, turning 20 looking at what I wanted to do I had a really honest conversation with myself of like I am not the tough hard as nails rider right but I am really good with the horses Mm -hmm. and I know I have a good head for business so I feel pretty like not I don't think confident was the right word but I was like having my own business is very appealing to me Um, you know I think some people for example like are incredibly good with young horses and they should be a young horse trainer or there are some people who are incredibly like tactile who should be a dentist or a saddle fitter Mm -hmm. or some people who are just like stupidly smart and should be a vet you know I think most people um, not everyone has to be an Olympic level rider and not everyone should be and there's a very valued place in this industry for every single skill set. Yeah, I agree. I mean, think about how hard it is to keep a horse at the level, the vets, the farriers, the body workers, you know, it, it it's amazing how many different jobs there are in the industry. And, right. you know, you just have to find your niche, find what you're good at and just keep learning and keep educating yourself. And that's, that's so true. You know, I think that a lot of people have asked me, like, is there actually a need for body workers? Yeah. Like, you know, could I make a business? And, you know, I can't promise you what you will or won't be able mm-hmm. to make. It's worked out awesome for me. Um, but I will say when you really invest in yourself and you really invest in your education, that puts such an edge over you. Yeah, I think, I agree. you know, the reason why I educate and I teach a course, you know, I have 
had a lot of people tell me like, why do you give away all of your good stuff? And I've said like, there are no secrets. Like I, we need more good professionals. Yeah. We need more good body workers. We need more good dentists. The we need more. big enough to have it's, all of us. Yeah. There's, it's big enough for all of us. And it's like, it's big enough that we can all learn from each other as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and I also tell people like, if you're not learning, you're stopping and you're dead. Like, yeah. if you're not growing, you're dying, yeah. right? Like, and you have to keep educating yourself, whether it's, like, listening to a podcast mm -hmm. like this, whether it's taking an online course. I am going to shamelessly plug my online course. If you're a body worker listening to this, a lot of um, – a lot of professionals, body workers, farriers, um, equine professionals have taken that course and gotten a lot out mm -hmm. of it. Equine Massage 101, um, you know, but I think that like taking online anatomy courses, I take a lot of anatomy courses. Mm -hmm. I still do, even with the education I've received. Um, I invest thousands of dollars into continuing education yeah. every year. And I think that... Um, that's maybe one of the main reasons I can stay like up to date and I can have the business that I have. And I also see you as, you know, you stay um, such a good rider and such a good trainer because you invest in yourself a lot as yeah. well. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, take as many lessons as I can with whoever I can and, you know, audit clinics. And, you know, I think even as a rider, you know, there's online lessons now you can even take. So if you are in small towns like yeah. we both grew up without access to a trainer you know reach out we'll help you <laughs> <laughs> do you teach virtual lessons or yeah, would you be open to it mm -hmm. oh that's very cool yeah. yeah and you're a good coach you're yeah, awesome during covid yeah. that was how i kept going that was really yeah. how you kept going yeah that's super you know i i do tell people that like we are getting to the point where you really don't have an excuse anymore to not yeah, be educated you know whatever that looks like you know if it's you know you don't have an excuse not to be educated and work with a good coach at mm -hmm. this point you know you and so many other professionals i know teach excellent excellent virtual yeah. lessons. Um, but also like there's so much excellent online education mm -hmm. out there. So, you know, a common theme that I'm really sensing here is that, um, mentorship is so incredibly important to mm -hmm. the young people, um, coming up in the horse profession. You know, I think both you and I may, may not be sitting here if we didn't have mentors who invested in us. Um, I can confidently say I wouldn't yeah. be, um, and I would love to discuss a little bit how someone listening to this might be able to get into a good mentoring mm -hmm. or a mentee position with someone that they really, you know, love and admire. Is there any way, like, you know, you like to mentor people? Yeah, I really think the working student position is a good place to start, yeah. you know, to see that ad and be brave and take that position. Um, and then from there you know, prove that you really want it. You know, yeah. for me, it would be really too hard to just take in everyone who's ever asked, you know, as much as I would love to help everyone. Um, you know, the people in my program that show me, like, I really want this. I'm willing to do whatever. Like, you know, I'll, I'll stay at the barn until 9 p.m. for you, you know. But yeah. if you're in and out of the barn or not putting the work in or, you know, you come and you ride at your lesson and then just chuck the horse back in the stall and head off to something else. You know, it's it doesn't show me that you really want 
it as much as everyone else. And that's honestly so illustrated by the fact that you turned around and gave, not gave, but you mm-hmm. turned around and gave the ride on your five-star horse to your working student. Yeah. I mean, that's like just case in point, like an incredible payoff of someone who really invested in you and invested in your program mm-hmm. and put in the work for years and it turned around and um, paid them back in dividends. Yeah. And I think that word investment actually is better than what I was trying to say earlier. You know, it, it is more mutual as well, you know. Yeah. They invested in me, and I'm going to invest in them as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, I think that the people who um, really mentored me, I invested a lot yeah. in. You know, um, both of them, the two people I mentored, I did all of their courses, mm-hmm. anything available to me. And then both of them I worked for. You know, um, Ron, the chiropractor, I just did office work for him because yeah. he needed help. Like I went and I would organize all of his files and I'd mm-hmm. speak to his patients and um, I would get him situated with things he needed help with. And it wasn't massage. Yeah. It wasn't him sitting down and helping me start my business. Yeah. It was was me doing stuff for him and in return he helped me get a leg up in the industry yeah. that I really needed and it is it has to be mutual right yeah, because absolutely. these experts who have really good businesses um you know we like we are busy we have yeah. a lot going on in our lives yeah. so you know it's only reasonable to expect um, people who you really want help from to invest in you if you've already invested in them. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, as much as we both would like to help everyone, yeah. it's just not, we don't have the time every day, you know, and I think that's why your courses even are a gr- great place for people to start as well. Yeah, you know, I agree. I get like a lot of DMs like on a daily basis, honestly, of people asking me to mentor them Mm -hmm. or people asking me to like literally give them a business plan or, you know, how like to get started. And it's actually very rarely from a person who's enrolled in one of my courses. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's actually because I really to have taken so much of the experience I've gotten from the mentorships I was provided and I've just poured my heart and soul into those mm-hmm. courses. You know, I really wanted them to be available because I understand not everyone is able to like leave their hometown at 19 yeah. and work with some of the best professionals in the country. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give that opportunity as best I was able to anyone in the world. Mm-hmm. And it only is going to benefit our horses if people can turn around and help each other like that. And yeah, that's not I me agree. trying to be a martyr. That's just saying like, you know, please, like if you really want to be in the bodywork industry, like please look into those courses because that might help you get some of the answers that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Even as riders, you know, we could all do better for our horses. You know, you don't have to be someone who wants to pursue body work to do something like that as well. You know, even as a rider, like I want to know all of these things so that (laughs) every day I can make my horse feel as you know, the best that they can. Yeah, you know, or even for you, like, you know, you're so busy, like, at least, like, you know, I learning how to palpate your horse and just check that they're sore. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something I'll take the time to teach any rider or any one of my clients. I like, I really like to sit there and teach everyone just how to palpate and make sure their horse's back is Mm -hmm. or isn't sore so that they know when to call me. And, you know, actually, for those of you who might not have a huge financial backing, um, but are interested in learning some of those skills I've actually taught Felicia, um, and I really believe in people learning, I am running a very affordable three-week challenge 
challenge right now called Back in Balance, where you learn to palpate your horse and some signs that if they may be in pain in their back. Um, I teach you one of my very favorite massage techniques um, that I use on my horses from the five-star event horse, mm -hmm. Sunny, who we love and swear by, and um, as well as Felicia's retiree uh, <laughs> rescue horse, um, Z, who she briefly mentioned earlier. I use it on almost every horse I work on, um, as well as some stretches that any rider can do um, after their ride to yeah. strengthen their horse's back. That's running right now in the Ridely app. So, Felicia, I feel like we're coming to the end of this episode. It's been mm -hmm. really cool to talk through with you, but I do end every episode with a question. Okay. What is one thing that you don't buck with? That I don't buck with? Um, okay. For me, it's, it's work ethic. Um, Hell you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you've got to be willing to put the work in. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mm -hmm. love that. Yeah. End, it at the, end it there. That's it. That's the episode. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Felicia, you're the coolest. I'm obsessed with you. Aww. I love you so much. You're yeah. one of my favorite people. And I feel like more people need to love you and be as obsessed with you as I am. So where should they find you? Yeah. So we're on Facebook and Instagram at Felicia Bar Eventing. Okay. Um, our Instagram was just hacked last year too, and we lost all of our followers. So don't be <laughs> shocked that it's such a small amount. <laughs> Please follow us. <laughs> it is me. <laughs> um, it's me. <laughs> um, and feel free to send emails through my website as well. If you have any questions about training or syndication. Awesome. So, you know, we've talked a lot about, like, actually pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, mm -hmm. you know, um, but the one of the very special things that I love about your program is the fact that you currently have a syndicate. Mm -hmm. And syndicates can look really different, you know. Um, I think that... Uh, sometimes it can look like a group of people getting together and literally investing in a horse in hopes of financial returns. Mm -hmm. And other times it looks like a group of owners who really love and support a rider getting together and purchasing a horse as an investment into the rider. Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering if you could explain um, to people a little bit what a syndicate is um, yeah. and how that exists in your program. Yeah, so syndication is a great way to bring in a horse that you would otherwise not be able to afford. Right. Um, so essentially, you know, my syndicate is worked up where there's 10 shares and everyone buys in for that percentage of the horse. Okay. Um, and does it, e just out of curiosity, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. Is it an equal percentage across the um, owners? It doesn't, so each share is the same percentage, but okay, I also but... will sell half shares. Okay. Yeah, to just make it even more affordable. Um, and for me, you know, it's, it's not as much about the return on investment. It's about the dream, you know, like we went to Ireland as a group and we found this amazing horse with dreams of someday putting him on a team or, you know, and it's a horse that I wouldn't otherwise have been able to afford to sit on. Right. Um, and he is just like everything any rider could ever want in a young horse. We love Arthur. Arthur is that horse who you purchased. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you guys probably have all seen him in my Instagram videos and yeah. just don't know it. He's a big ham. He is the sweetest boy. And he is, you know, we were talking earlier about those really special horses. Yeah. And he is truly one of those really special horses that yeah. you meet. And I'm he just, I mean, he is just so lovely. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's cool. You know, we still have a few um, shares left to sell. Okay. Um, and, you know, he's going to the Young Event Horse Qualifiers 
as a five-year-old, he's won everything he's been in this year. I mean, he's just spectacular. Um, and for me, you know, this journey we're going on with these syndication members hopefully will lead us to France next year for the six-year-old world championships and the year after for the seven-year-old world championships. So and then, cool. you know, maybe the LA Olympics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be convenient for everyone to I know, attend. You know, and it's so you local. Know, wouldn't you want to watch the Olympics from the owner's box? I know. There's <laughs> a lot of perks to be an owner, um, you know. Yeah. And especially, you know, what I love about your program, too, and I've got to see so much of this firsthand, is so many of those big programs are just focused on churning out a result, but you're really willing to put the horse first, mm-hmm. even if it um, is a little bit scary. You know, I watched um, Arthur just, he's such a big boy, and he needed a moment to kind of get his bearings as yeah. he was growing, and I watched you l- let him take that time. You yeah. know, I think a lot of professionals would have really pushed him and made him really really sore Mm -hmm. but this summer you gave him a little bit of time to himself to grow and I just really got I gained so much respect for you through that process because it was really hard for you and scary so anxious yeah he's he's just massive and he's young and you know he did just need more time this summer um and looking back I'm glad that I did because he came out this fall and he's so strong and he's so balanced and I mean my god every day I just like pinch myself that I get to sit on such a nice horse um but yeah this spring he just you know he was too big for his britches and he needed to go out and be in a field and be a horse for a minute that's so cool you know so like not only do people get to like invest in you and Mm -hmm. you're this really wonderful like actually so like of all the like inventors I met you're like one of the very good ones you know there (laughs) there are only so many of you um and you know not only do people get to invest in you they get to invest in like this lovely horse who is like Mm -hmm. like if you want to own a horse that's like actually going to like love you and obsess over you Arthur's the one oh he's a golden retriever right but then also you get to know that like the partnership is going to be put first Mm -hmm. like that the horse is going to be put first like you're going to watch out for him you're not just going to make a decision to try Mm -hmm. to get to a competition so it's a very cool it's a very cool opportunity yeah and I try to keep everyone involved in the process as well where I think in some other syndications you know, you pay your yearly dues and then you get to go see him at a horse trial. But Mm -hmm. I try really hard to make it feel like you're as involved as possible. You know, come watch weekly dressage lessons or rides. Come watch him show jump. Here's a video from our cross-country school today. You know, I try to really make it, you know, a team effort so everyone can feel involved for those people who are not ever going to ride five-star but really want to be a part of the process. You know, this is a good way for an owner to bridge that gap. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, for finding you, um, we'll just loop back to that. Mm-hmm. So, finding you. So, if people are interested in either having you come out for a clinic, I know mm-hmm. you and I have talked about that. Maybe yeah. having you come out for a clinic somewhere, or if they want to connect with you for a virtual lesson, or even maybe to get in on one of the best horses in the world, Arthur. Yeah. Um, how do they reach you for that? Yeah. So, my website is Felicia Bar Venting. Um, okay. And just FeliciaBarVenting.com. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We got got to it early. You know? <laughs> There's not a lot of competition for 
<laughs> um, and I will put out clinic open clinic dates. You know, I'm happy to fly out and help you and your group of riders. Um, and feel free to send an email. That's all my contact information is on the website. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And it's just at Felicia Bar Venting. Awesome. Yeah. Easy peasy. Well, thank yeah. you so much for coming yeah, on the thank show. Thank you for having me. <laughs>